Hi, welcome to the uh, Dr. Doom podcast. I think we're on episode seven. Does that sound right? These are coming out fast and furious. I uh, What I'm doing is I created a bunch of topics and then I'm just kind of crossing them off as I record them. And then I'm just scheduling them to upload at 7 a.m., which, uh, you know, I'm no marketing genius, but I'm pretty sure they would not recommend you do that. Having said that, I like to be able to check if they uploaded on my way to work. <laughs> so this is uh, maybe not uh, destined to be a popular podcast. I mean, we already know it's not a particularly good podcast, but um, it is definitely a podcast and uh, and you get what you pay for. <laughs> so, um, oh, there's a couple good ones on here. I think today... I'm kind of split between talking about my testicles <laughs> and uh, and talking about my graduation. Um, so why don't we uh, why don't we go back in the way back machine? We'll we'll do uh, a couple of airplane. No, we'll you know what we'll do is a couple of uh, of uh, ACLS stories. ACLS, if you don't know what it is, it's Advanced Cardiac Life Support, and you basically can't graduate uh, medical school without having it, or you couldn't back in the day. And, uh, so it's one of the last sections of medical school that you do. Everybody kind of, you know, your first two years you're in class together. Uh, I went to medical school in a small class in Eastern Canada and, uh, we became really tight, like really good friends. And there were lots of parties. It was very social. And then at the end of the second year, you branch off in, into, um, you know, you have core rotations and elective rotations. So there's clinical rotations, basically. So everybody's out in different parts of the hospital doing different things. And you might work with a friend or two, um, but it's random who you get to work with. Um, And uh, we still would get together for the odd uh, party or whatever. But the problem is, you know, when you're doing your core rotations, you have exams at the end of each core rotation. Like, so if say pediatrics or surgery or medicine or whatever, you have to write an exam. So when you're doing those, you're working all day and sometimes on call overnight and you're studying your butt off because medical school is funny. It's not, it's not that it's super hard, but the teaching quality is not there because everybody there, they're people like me. They're not teachers. We don't know how to teach people. We just kind of can present information for them and then uh, hope that they're able to regurgitate it back on an exam. But you also had like in my day, I don't know if it's still the case, I assume it is, standardized exams. So you really had to study because they might not teach you the stuff that you need to know. You got to read the textbook and all that stuff. Anyway, so um, you go through two years of that after your first two years. And then um, it's funny. I always said medical school is a test of how hard you can grind. It isn't a test of how smart you are because your, your first year is all biochemistry and stuff like that, a little bit of physiology, histology, the basics, but you've already done it for the most part if you've done a science degree. Um, it's just that it's compressed into an insane small amount of time. So like all of human anatomy. So you look at a Gray's Anatomy textbook. I'm actually looking at my more and Dally textbook that I used for medical school. It's on the shelf in my office. Um, you know, it's probably 900 pages. And I knew like we did that in six months and I had that textbook memorized front to back, like all the nervous tract decussations, every muscle insertion and origin, um, 
you know, just uh, we we had to know it all, and then you had to learn the physiology with it. So it's not a test of, hey, are you smart? Because it's not, it doesn't take intelligence to memorize stuff. It's a test of, hey, do you mind staying up till midnight every night or later studying so that you can regurgitate this out on a test? <laughs> anyway, where the hell was I going with that? Oh, yeah, the ACLS. So uh, ACLS comes at the end of your at the end of your med school rotation, which probably should have happened in the middle or at the end of your second year. There's a chance that it did, and then we repeated it. I can't entirely remember. But you do have to learn the drugs to give for um, an arrest, like a cardiac arrest, and the different types of cardiac arrest and how to differentiate one from another using either an EKG or, or uh, clinical symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and it's it's kind of stressful. Like the first time you go through it, you're like, yeah, I, you, you kind of forget everything's theoretical until that point. And then you're like, oh yeah, this is definitely going to happen uh, at some point during my residency. And I need to know how to do this because I am the person in charge of this. So, um, you know, we went through ACLS right before graduation and I just like hammered it into my memory. I was, I was pretty nervous going into, uh, my intern year. Um, so we went, we had our graduation. I, uh, I believe I had, I graduated, I think it was like May 22nd and my, uh, internship year didn't start until, uh, the first week of July and I was moving provinces, <clears throat> but I already had sort of a plan in place, I believe. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew where I was going and, uh, and I had an apartment rented and stuff and I didn't have a whole lot of stuff to move because my girlfriend and I had broken up and, um, and I put everything into storage, um, and send it and then shipped it home, including by the way, because I'm a piece of shit. Uh, I took like light bulbs and toilet paper and <laughs> absolutely everything that was needed for the apartment, which in fairness, it was my apartment and we broke up and then it was her apartment and I was homeless. <laughs> I had to go be a couch surfer for a year of medical school. Um, but, uh, yeah. And you know, she's a nice person. It just didn't work out and it's for the best, but nonetheless, I was pretty bitter at the time and I took everything cause she went off to a rotation in Calgary and I was like, well, fuck you. You, you think you're coming home to toilet paper? I don't think so. I put it in a box and I paid to have it stored borrowed money on my line of credit. <laughs> what a dick. I took the shower curtains and everything. Anyway, all that is beside the point. And I am a malicious asshole. And that was probably borderline abusive, but you know, she, she cheated on me. I was upset. Um, all that said, uh, so we graduated and because of this nasty breakup I'd had and, uh, because of a few different things. I had some really great friends in medical school, but I was so tired of like relying on them to put me up. So it made sense when we were in clinical rotations, but once it was over, I couldn't really ask there because I was living with my friend and his parents, uh, you know, and, and they were feeding me and I wasn't paying rent. It was, uh, it wasn't right, but it was, they were very kind. Um, but I felt, I felt like a third, not a third wheel, but you know, I felt like I was taking advantage of the situation. situation. I can't speak. Um, so as soon as we graduated, I was out of there and my brother lives in Australia and, and he lived in Brisbane at the time and I'd never been. 
So I, uh, I decided, you know, I've got like six weeks. I'm going to go to Australia for, I think I went for like three weeks. And uh, I was so pumped to go to Australia. So graduation, the next day, like there was a party that night. I went for half an hour of it. Um, and then I went, went to the hotel, went to bed and woke up. My mom was in town and mom and I got on a plane and we flew to Australia. And it was, that was fun. It was awesome uh, trip, except um, about, uh, we were, the flight went like, so from East Coast Canada to Vancouver, Vancouver to Hawaii, and then Hawaii to Sydney, and then Sydney to Brisbane. And we were halfway between Vancouver and uh, Honolulu when, uh, oh no, we were halfway between Honolulu and, uh, and, uh, Sydney and I'd had a few Mai Tais at the airport in Honolulu. I don't know if you've ever been to the airport in Honolulu, but it is by far the most beautiful public building I have ever been in. It doesn't even have walls. It's like this tropical paradise. They have a bar there that is just like a, it's a, like a real cool tiki bar type thing with old posters on the walls and uh, they make great Mai Tais. And I was like, yeah, I'm on vacation. I get six weeks off. I'm on my way. The only time I've ever been to Hawaii. Granted, it was just the airport. But um, so I had a couple of Mai Tais and I fell asleep on the plane on the next flight. And we were about three hours into it. And the announcement, is there a doctor on the plane? Is there a physician on the plane? Could you identify yourself to the flight service? And I was kind of half awake, half asleep. And I thought, oh, I hope there's a better doctor on the plane, like a real doctor. But um, they made the announcement again. Mom elbowed me in the uh, ribs. And so I got up, raised my hand. Nobody else was getting up. And the, the flight attendant came over and she looked at me. And I looked like, at the time, I looked like a child. I was... Uh, you know, I, I looked like I was 18 until I was 30. And then I looked like I was 70 from then on. <laughs> but uh, she said, are you a physician? She looked at me and I said, well, I, I graduated yesterday. <laughs> she said, there's a lady with chest pain at the front. Uh, could you come with me? Okay. So I went up to the front of the plane with her. And there was some lady. And sure enough, like clutching her chest, diaphoretic, like quite pale, um, and she was still talking, but I said to the stewardess, I said, um, is, uh, is there an AED on the plane, like an automated defibrillator? And the stewardess looked at me like, I've never taken it out of this case. She's like, yes. <laughs> I said, uh, could you bring it please? Um, are you sure? She said, <laughs> I said, I'd like to have it nearby and then if we need it it's it's ready to go okay so i went through this history and physical with the lady sort of as best you can do on a plane full of people there was no privacy and uh she was having chest pain felt like an elephant was sitting on her chest uh couldn't quite get her breath and um and I figured uh she was probably having a heart attack it she felt this like squeezing pain kind of thing I figured it was an MI. So I, uh, I gave her some aspirin to chew. I, I got them and she was like, can I just swallow them? I said, no, you have to chew them. I didn't know if that was the case or not, but that was something somebody had told me once. And, uh, and I wrote a big long note for the hospital in Australia, history, physical, 
her past history, everything. I was with her for about two hours. And, uh, and she actually started feeling a little bit better after taking the aspirin, like about half an hour after. And I figured, oh, maybe, maybe I'm right. Like, maybe that's really what it was. Anyway, so it was still another 14 hours or 13 hours, I think, to, uh, to land. And they were asking me, do we need to turn the plane around? And I was like, I have, I have absolutely no idea. So I asked the lady, I said, do you want them to turn the plane around? Do you think you need to go to the, do you need to go to Hawaii? <laughs> She's like, no. So I said, I guess we're okay. You know, just let me know if things change. So they, she made it, she made it to Hawaii or to uh, Australia, got off the plane um, and uh, got to the hospital. And the doctor at the hospital uh, must have found out who I was. They wrote me this really nice note. They wrote to the airline um, and uh, wrote a, uh, you know, a recommendation that the airline compensate me for my time and stuff. Like I've never done this. I've never gone to these lengths for any other human being because I'm a selfish dick, but uh, they must've known because I wrote PGY one starting in July <laughs> under my signature post-grad year one starting, you know, in two months. And uh, so the airline offered me enough air miles to go for a free trip anywhere in the world, which I thought was amazing. Shortly thereafter, they canceled them. <laughs> so I never got to, I never got to get the free flight. <laughs> I think they had to be used within three months or something. They knew I wasn't going to get to use them, I'm sure. Anyway, um, that was the, uh, that was the first time I went to Australia. And that was a great trip. The second time I was, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to stop this recording. We're going to add music and then we're going to change it and splice them together because I'm getting fancy. Okay, I'll, uh, let's try that. So story two is um, <laughs> is a story about my brother's bachelor party, blah, blah, bachelor party, uh, which uh, was the second time I went to Australia. This was a pretty good trip, actually. This is kind of a story about the whole trip, but um, it was uh, my wife and I were dating at the time, uh, but we'd just kind of gotten serious. Chrissy was going to move in with me. We had decided that she was going to move in. And she had to move cities and that meant giving up a pretty nice job that she had in her home province to change provinces to come live with me. Um, and uh, and it was a big move, you know, like I had lived with uh, the one other girlfriend in, uh, in my medical school class and that didn't work. That was so rotten that I almost had sort of decided, you know what, I'm just going to be old and single and I, I'm okay without anybody. And then um, uh, Chrissy, my wife, who... Uh, who was my friend for a long time. She and her boyfriend broke up and um, things just worked out in a way that we were able to uh, start dating and uh, never looked back really. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, it's also our anniversary tomorrow, uh, which will be actually the day after this or the day before this airs. Um, so all that said, Chrissy and I, it was our first, um, sort of trip as a couple that was we went to Disney World once actually and then this was like a trip for more than five days so it was it was a big deal and the reason we were going to Australia was my brother was getting married and uh, 
And so we were going for, we had two weeks there and I was a resident and I was in the middle of studying and stuff, but I kind of had caught the timing right where it was Christmas and I had some time off and I was far enough away from the exam that I wasn't like the board exams are at the end of your residency. I was far enough away that I wasn't real stressed about it yet. And I didn't need to study when I was in Australia. I could just kind of relax and enjoy myself. Um, so we, uh, yeah, Chrissy and I flew out um, from the East Coast of Canada again. We took the same flight, stopped for Mai Tais in uh, Honolulu. <laughs> it was nice. And uh, no medical emergencies on the plane. And then um, we got to uh, we got to Australia, um, and we actually had an, a day in Sydney. And if you've ever been to Sydney, Australia, it's pretty amazing. There's a place called Bondi Beach where people surf, and you can see the surfers coming in. And uh, and they have um, this restaurant chain. It's not even restaurant chain. It's like a beach club chain called uh, I think it's called the Surf Club. Uh, all through Australia. So anywhere there's good surfing, if you pay membership to the surf club, you can go and you get like discount food and they had good prices on beer and stuff. And so we went and did that in the afternoon. And then I took her to the Sydney Zoo, which I love zoos. I love seeing different animals. <laughs> it was kind of a selfish trip. Uh, and we got back uh, to our hotel and it was like four in the afternoon, but right, we've added a day of traveling in between everything. So um, I said, well, why don't we put our feet up for like an hour? This is never a good idea, by the way, to do this. We we're both really tired. I said, why don't we put our feet up for an hour and close our eyes and then we'll, um, you know, we'll go out and have dinner in Sydney and cause we had to fly to Brisbane the next morning. Good idea. So we took our shoes off, put our feet up and woke up 15 minutes before our flight to Sydney or to Brisbane <laughs> the next day. It's like, oh no. Uh, so we did, um, it couldn't have been 15 minutes. It was probably about an hour and 15 minutes because we did somehow make the flight, but like just barely. Anyway, we got to uh, Brisbane. And so it was my mom and dad were there. And, um, and my aunt Sue was there, who I haven't seen really since. She lives in Charleston, South Carolina. And um, obviously my brother and his wife, and uh, our cousins, uh, some of our cousins went and uh, our cousin Chantel went. And Chrissy was just kind of getting to know the family. And, and my family is fucked. But, uh, it, you know, everybody, everybody is uh, aggressive and uh, we are loud and obnoxious. And, and it's just, you know, it, it can be fun or it can be uh, brutal, uh, depending on which way the wind blows that day. But uh, so Chrissy, uh, Chrissy was trying to, it was like trial by fire for her. And so as things kind of progressed with the wedding planning, I was having a great time because I had just lost, I just joined Weight Watchers that year. I was, I started at 252 pounds and I ended up when we went down, I was like 215 and I was feeling so amazing. And just even talking about it now, I'm like, yeah, I got to go back to Weight Watchers. <laughs> I forgot how nice that felt until I was just like. Yeah, nostalgic, nostalgizing about it right now. <laughs> anyway, um, so I was feeling great. We got fitted for suits and stuff, um, you know, as you do. Um, we pick, we got all the flower stuff ready for the wedding. Um, I was supposed to bring the uh, what are they called? The corsages uh, to the wedding. Uh, spoiler alert: I forgot them, <laughs> and they never, they never made it. 
I picked flowers out of a church garden and just used those instead. Um, but you know, everything was, uh, going well. And then it was time for like, they call it like box night and hen's night. It's like a bachelor and bachelorette party. And so the girls, they did, I think they played mini golf and they went drinking and stuff. And the guys, Dan had gotten us all these, like, I don't know. They're like, uh, work suits, like you would wear in a garage, but each one had a name tag. Like, um, my dad was long dong swan or something like that. Um, and, uh, what was it? Long dong something. It, it all rhymed. Um, I can't remember what mine was, but anyway, it was, uh, long dong John, maybe I can't remember anyway, you know, so it was like, he had it all themed up and, uh, I was supposed to organize the, the night and I didn't do a very good job, but I did look at like, Hey, what are some good pubs we can go to? And, uh, where should we go for dinner? So we got sushi for dinner and then, uh, we went out, there was, it was like, there was an Oktoberfest ce celebration happening, even though I think it was, uh, November, uh, <laughs> and there was live music and stuff. And the night started out pretty well. I had a few drinks. I, I don't like getting like sloshed. So I was okay in terms of like how much I'd had to drink. I think my brother had quite a bit, um, because he was singing really loudly at one point, you know, and somebody told him to shut up. <laughs> one of the bars. It was, that was funny. Um, and, oh yeah. And his friends were there too. Uh, his friend Brent and uh, Sarah. And so, you know, it was as bachelor parties go, it wasn't bad, but then uh, we ended up at this bar and um, I was going up to the bar to get a drink no, no, I was in the line at the door and somebody came out and looked like totally panicked. And they said, is there a doctor out here? Is anyone a doctor? I was like, uh, I'm a doctor. <laughs> I was like, I've had a few drinks. Full disclosure, I'm at a bachelor party. They're like, this guy just passed out at the bar. I was like, oh, well, fuck, that's easy. So I went in. And it was a guy, he was overweight, but not hugely overweight, but he was probably 30 years old. He wasn't old. Um, and he was on the floor, but his eyes were rolled back and his face was bright purple. And I thought, oh, this doesn't look good. And there were people crying all around him. And I said, what's going on? And they said, he, uh, he had a stroke last year. He's got medical problems. He was just sitting here and he and he passed out and he fell off the bar and we can't wake him up. And I felt there was no pulse. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh no, he's having a cardiac arrest in a bar. Um, so I started CPR. It was myself and this, um, actually, there was a young woman there who was, uh, I believe she was either a doctor or a paramedic. I can't, I can't remember. Um, but I, I started CPR and then she started helping me. And I had to give this guy mouth to mouth. And every time I did, he threw up in my mouth. All this like, I don't know. He'd been eating fish and chips and stuff. And it kept coming out like copiously. I'd roll him on his side and try and get it out, clear his airway and start again. Uh, but it was brutal because it really, well, first of all, it was disgusting. But secondly, it really slowed you down in terms of being able to resuscitate the guy. Um, so I worked on him and worked on him. Called, they, called, they had called 911 in the meantime. Um, and the paramedics arrived and I said, well, look guys, he's been down for 15 minutes. I, I think I would give him sodium bicarb. I don't know exactly what's happened here. He's got a history of stroke. Um, 
you know, and, and they were going through it. And I was like, look, I'm a doctor from Canada, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, well, he's been down for 15 minutes. I said, yeah, he's, he's only, I think he was like 32. I was like, he's only a young guy. You know, uh, just, he, I don't have a defibrillator. They didn't even put the defibrillator pads on him. They called the time of death in the bar without taking him to a hospital, nothing. And they looked at me like I was fucking crazy. And I was saying, no, 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 no. This guy's only been down for 15 minutes. They were like, oh, he's gone, mate. <laughs> sorry, sorry, mate, he's gone. So what the fuck is this? <laughs> this is ridiculous. And I was terrified because now they had my name and my name was on this guy's like death. They'd called his death and he was young. Um, but, you know, having now with the experience I've had um, from the way that guy looked, I, they might have gotten him back, but I, I don't know. I He was not. I think he had a lot of medical conditions. I talked to a few people afterwards and it sounded like he had some sort of vascular disease. But anyway, that was my brother's bachelor party. So I just, I had puke all over me from this guy. Um, and I, I found it really hard to celebrate because I was like really devastated that this guy had died under my care. <laughs> Even though I'd had a few drinks and stuff. And then on top of that, my cousin, went wild that I would dare do CPR on this guy after having a few drinks. And I was like, it was me or nobody. Like the, we were at a bar, everybody had a few drinks and she was like pissed off completely at me and tore a strip off one side, up one side and down the other. Don't you ever, you know, try to do anything medical to anyone. If you've had a drink of alcohol and I was like, I, I don't, I'm not in the hospital. I'm at a bar. <laughs> I still maintain to this day, if I drop and you've had a drink of beer, still do the CPR. <laughs> anyway, I don't know where that falls on the ethics spectrum. Maybe she's right. But at the same time, he would definitely have been dead if uh, I didn't do anything. He was dead anyway. And I did do something. So I left. I left the party and uh, and I went back to the hotel like by then sober as a judge because uh absolutely full of adrenaline and i got back to the hotel and realized that uh my father had my hotel key and uh and it was a gated like motel in the middle of nowhere the taxi dropped me off at the gate and so i climbed a uh tree of some kind and there was a <laughs> some sort of rat like creature in the tree that i shoot away and I shimmied out on a limb and then dropped down into the hotel compound. And then I was really well and truly fucked because not only did I not have a key to get into my hotel room, but I couldn't get back out of the gate. <laughs> I had to sit there and wait. And I waited for three hours uh, just stewing in, in this guy's juices. <laughs> until my family came back and let me into my hotel room. So that's the story of the Australian bachelor party. I hope you enjoy these stories. Um, they don't put me in a good light. And uh, look, I, I still, to this day, I'm not sure what the rules are, but I figured there's got to be some sort of good Samaritan law if nobody else is coming to your aid and you've had a couple of beers. I wasn't hammered. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, all I was doing was CPR. Um, but, uh, nonetheless, it was a sad story and, uh, you know, sorry to that guy's family. I, I, I wish, I still kind of wish they had, uh, hooked up the defibrillator and stuff. 
Well, that's it for today's episode. I think I might skip a couple days, um, but I've got some really good stories in the pipeline. Um, they're good to me. I don't know if you guys enjoy them. If uh, you want to reach out, you can get me at uh, actually call it go to one foot in the grave podcast at gmail.com, or you can go to the website one foot in the grave podcast at weebly.com. Um, and those are the sister podcast of this one. And they're, they're a lot funnier because, uh, as I've said before, it's my brother and I, and, uh, he's a hoot. Um, but, uh, anyway, thanks for, uh, look, thanks for listening. We've got 11 listeners now. We had three this morning or uh, yesterday afternoon when I checked in last and, uh, 11 now. So, uh, you know, share it with a friend, see if we can make this thing grow, give it a five-star review on Apple. And maybe if I put out enough content, maybe they'll, you know, we'll put it up there. I doubt it though. Something tells me when I use this software to record that I have to, you know, the only thing that gets promoted is the software itself, not my, uh, not my podcast, but that's okay. At least I'll have the stories. So if I get, um, you know, demented or whatever, I can, I can look back on them and try and remember the fun times. Um, yeah. And look, if you think what I'm doing is medical malpractice by sharing these stories or whatever, feel free to let me know. I, uh, I'm almost at the point after the pandemic where if I lost my job, it would be a fucking blessing and I could go work at a car dealership or something. Not that there are any cars. Maybe I could go work at a grocery store. Anyway, look, you guys are the best. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Stay well, stay classy. See you next time.